This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. listening to the Giving Thought podcast. This is the podcast from CAF's think tank, Giving Thought, in which we look at big issues and themes relating to philanthropy and civil society. I'm your host, as ever, Rod Davis, and this is the third in our series of Voices from Civil Society during the coronavirus pandemic, where we've been speaking to a range of people from across the charity sector and the social enterprise world to get their views on how some of the challenges of this pandemic are affecting them and organisations they work with so far. Um, I'll go into the conversations very shortly, Um, and in this episode we have a social investment, social enterprise flavour, so we're speaking to Nick Temple from the social investment business, Uh, my colleague Holly Piper from CAF Venturesome, our social uh, investment fund, Uh, and to Rich Collins from Sortified, which is a social uh, enterprise and sort of consultancy that helps other social enterprises um, engage with uh, social investment and community business models. So uh, without further ado, let's ignore the sound of uh, footballs thudding into the fence outside and my daughter shouting because it's nearly lunch. Go into the conversations and I'll be back at the end for a bit of housekeeping and tidying up. So this first conversation is with Nick Temple, who's the chief executive of the social investment business, which provides loans and grants and other forms of finance and support to social purpose organisations around the country. So here's Nick. Um, yeah, so I guess the the starting point is just to ask, you know, how the this whole COVID nineteen pandemic situation is affecting your organisation and also kind of the the organisations that you work with so far. Thanks, Roger. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as our organisation, it's been um, OK so far. So we've managed to transfer everyone and all our systems pretty well into various people's home environments. Um, and the remote working and the use of the various systems and technology seems to be going OK so far. Um, we'll, we'll see if that continues, but that's been all right. And we managed to do the first big payment run disbursement of grants um, on Friday. So uh, that that feels like a major hurdle overcome when sort of 900,000 goes out the door to various other charities and social enterprises, which obviously we want to uh, make sure it happens in the current environment. I think for our um, for our customers, it's it's a varied picture. We, we've tried to be in touch with almost all of them. And um, as you know, a social investment business, we do we do loans and um, we also do grants, so it's mixed. Um, and it varies a bit, you know, as you know, some in retail and leisure and uh, culture and hospitality have obviously seen massive plunges in footfall and income. And others who are more in public service delivery are seeing their contracts renewed and extended and feeling relatively bullish. Um, we froze all repayments to our investment funds last week uh, for, for a minimum of three months. And, you know, whilst most accepted that, as you might imagine, um, a few actually declined it because um, they were they were feeling okay about things at that point. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in terms of the the kind of short term challenges affecting those organisations, as you said, it kind of varies according to you know sector to some extent, or kind of how how immediately organisations are impacted by the the closure of kind of physical retail spaces and and that kind of thing. I mean, what are what are the kind of couple of key challenges that you think are facing the the organisations that that you're working with at the moment? I mean, nothing that would surprise you, I think, unfortunately. So, you know, there are those who are working with, um, you know, tight margins and and thin reserves and, you know, uh, a couple of months of, of an income shortfall has a, has a big impact. Um, I think what we've been trying to do, you know, inevitably to start with, we just wanted to reach out to our customers and let them know generically, look, we're here for you, we'll help you through, we'll do what we can. And, and that's genuine, you know, we're a charity, not a, not a bank ultimately, <laughs> and, um, or we're at least a charitable bank. So, um, you know, our, our mission is aligned with theirs. Um, what we've been trying to do now is be a bit more coherent about the information we're collecting. So I think, you know, I'd like us to get to a point where we can target effectively what support we have. And, you know, very crudely, that involves looking at people's financial position and it involves looking at the groups they work with. And, um, you know, so we're starting to pull together a sort of, spreadsheet internally which um, our learning and influence team are doing which is using the data that our front-facing teams are collecting to try and analyze that centrally and really work out where we can help most um, so i'm hopeful we'll be able to get to that point in the next week or so great oh, that sounds encouraging i mean in terms of that question of kind of a, a short-term financial needs i mean obviously there's been a, a lot of focus on the fact that with the cancellation of big fundraising events um and you know, organizations no longer being able, able to open kind of retail outlets charity shops and cafes and that sort of thing there are some some kind of very uh short-term cash flow issues um do you think those can be what you know it, there seems to be some sort of um di- difference of opinion or various people kind of suggesting that that it means that there's an immediate need for short-term grant finance whereas others saying actually you know you could uh kind of cover that by uh softening the terms of loans or kind of um deferring payments or those sorts of things i mean what are you guys able to do and what are you doing um in terms of kind of trying to allow organizations to get through that immediate short-term difficulty yeah so it's a, it's a bit of a mix as you might expect i think roger so like um for us as i said we're on, on the loans that we manage and we control um we're we're freezing repayments we're being as flexible as we can and just giving people the headroom and space and uh, protection of their cash really at this point on, on some of the grant programs, so we're, we're a partner on the Youth Endowment Fund, for example, which is a, a 10-year project, but is a £200 million fund and very evidence-based. Um, you know, really, it's about um, supporting existing grantees and, and looking at how we can flex and be best work with them, because obviously a lot of their work was with young people um, in school environments or in other environments, which clearly are not going to happen at the moment, or at least for the next few months. So there's flexibility on grant terms and scheduling and, and outcomes, but trying to ensure that they we support them and they stay afloat. Um, and then the third bit is, I guess, anything new. So can we redesign and repurpose existing schemes? Um, so we're chatting to Access about some of the business support schemes we, we run for them. Um, and also working with all the social investors really on, uh, to your point about loan guarantees and, and such like, can we... Can we work together to access the mainstream government support that's happening at the moment? Um, all that notwithstanding, I still think there will be a need for some organisations for just grant support and 
Um, even, even amongst what I've said, I think there are still some organizations that will fall through the gaps. Um, and, and I think that's why you've seen the sort of clamor online and from the infrastructure bodies particularly for that. Yeah, I think sadly that's that's sort of inevitable, isn't it? Which, like, given the the sort of scale of the challenges everyone's facing at the moment, um, in terms of kind of the the slightly longer term or even the medium term, beyond the the challenges of the immediate next few months, what, do you foresee there being kind of other challenges facing the kinds of organisations you work with, and and what sort of things do you think those might be? I think there inevitably will be. I mean, it's quite difficult to predict. It's quite difficult to predict next week at the moment, but it's certainly quite difficult to predict. <laughs> yeah, it is, um, yeah. But I think we're, the balance for us, I think, and particularly we're not obviously as big a funder or with as much money as, as many others in the sector. And I think, you know, government and lottery have to play a part in this. Um, I think for us, it's about a judgment. So clearly we want to be responsive now and take action in the immediate where we can and where that helps. Um, but equally, we want to be there in the long term for organisations and for communities. So we, we want to help them rebuild and uh, and access the right support and the right money to help them do that, you know, six, nine months, 12 months, 15 months down the line. And so it's a bit of a judgment at the moment about what do you commit into the immediate stuff now and what do you try and plan for in terms of the future, particularly as there's so many things being announced, you know, there's it felt every day last week there was a new government package being announced and um, you know you could announce something yourselves and get lost in the midst of that so I think for us what are they going to face I mean clearly they're going to face challenges to get back on their feet there might be big recruitment challenges Um, there might be also ongoing health fears we don't know how people will will react Um, they'll, they'll definitely be increasing demand there might be a demand for new services and new ways of operating too so I think we can see as we've seen in our own organizations, things can happen pretty rapidly when they need to. And we're all adopting new ways of working. So can some of those new ways of working actually persist in the future as well, or, or will we all go back to how we were? Um, so there's a range of things that we'll face, but I think um, it will be about financial resilience, but also resilience in the teams and the leadership and the governance of these organizations. Um, and that's hopefully what we can help them with. Yeah, and I, I think some of those questions, as you say, I mean, it's very difficult to predict, but about which of the elements of things that that are changing unbelievably rapidly in the space of kind of days, if you know, not even weeks at the moment, will persist for the longer term, and which will just go go back to old ways of, of doing things afterwards. Is I mean, I think that's probably a topic for an entire other podcast. But it's a very <laughs> interesting thing to think about at the moment. Um, and kind of, you know, there's a lot of, of challenges at the moment. We're all sort of in our organisations trying to, to work to overcome them and help other organisations. But what what have you seen so far in the last couple of weeks that has, has given you kind of cause for optimism about, you know, uh, the potential for, for the sector to, to respond to this challenge? I mean, I think, you know, one, one is my own team. I mean, I you know, I'm very proud to, to work where I work at Social Investment Business, but the team have been extraordinary. And I know that's replicated across the sector in terms of the way they've worked with, you know, totally focused on the organisations we're here to support. Once we got ourselves up and running, that was all that was in their minds. And it's been it's been really humbling to work with them the last couple of weeks and, and felt that sense of mission and purpose. I think the second is um, actually collectively across We've been convening some calls with um, a lot of the social investment community, liaising with infrastructure bodies, and there's a a genuine collective uh, appetite to work together and work at pace and, um, you know, where there used to occasionally be sort of battles of logos and 
um, organizational egos, those those are definitely um, in the background and buried <laughs> buried under the ground at the moment, and that's encouraging. And I think I'm I, that's something also that I hope we can take forward is that sense of collective purpose and the ability to work together again. You know, it certainly shouldn't take a crisis to make that to happen. Um, and I think some of the foundations for that were in place in various bits of the sector, but that's really encouraged me. And then, of course, there's the individual examples of some of our organisations that we support and work with. You know, people saying, you know, actually, no, we don't need to freeze repayments, save that money for and flexibility for someone who does. People keeping their doors open, people asking for more money because they're in health and care. Um and people re reverting their restaurants into home delivery services for those who need it most. Um, just a whole range of stories that we've been hearing right at the front line. And, you know, that's that's what keeps us going, keeps us doing what we're doing, because that's what we're here for. So there is cause for optimism amongst the, the gloom that, that I'm sure everyone's feeling a bit day to day. Well, that's yeah, that's that's great to hear because I think you know there are it, it is bringing out the best in a lot of people, uh, even as they face uh, enormous challenges. Um, and you know, I'm seeing similar things, and I'm sure lots of people listening are too. Um, listen, I just want to say thanks ever so much, Nick, for taking the time to to come on the podcast. Um, you know, it'd be nice to to do it in the future in potentially slightly better circumstances. Um, but is there anything else that you kind of want to flag up um, or bring people's attention to uh, at the moment that we have we've missed so far? No, I just think, you know, um, kind words for everyone out there and, and appreciate what they're doing. And I think, you know, the, the things that have um, come home to us in this context, there's a couple of things we've been working on anyway. One is, you know, being close to your customers and in touch with them and the organisations we support and work with is critical. It's critical anyway, but in this scenario, that's proven to be more the case. And the second is getting a grip of our data and and really being able to assess that and use that and really being able to to do that in these scenarios where we're trying to use data for quick decision-making, for targeted decision-making. And, and again, I think both of those we've been working on, um, but they've really been accelerated and their importance has really come home to me in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and likewise, uh, thanks for inviting me on and uh, hopefully we can have a longer chat another time about in slightly more optimistic and uh, happy circumstances, maybe even face-to-face. Yeah, no, that sounds ideal. Let's uh, let's make that a date for some, <laughs> some slightly unspecified point uh, further down the line. <laughs> Great, right. thanks, thanks a lot. This next conversation, recorded quite early in the morning before both of us uh, had to do some homeschooling, uh, is with my colleague Holly Piper, who runs CAF Venturesome, um, CAF's uh, social investment fund that makes kind of low-cost loans to charities and social purpose organisations. Uh, so here's Holly. Great. Um, so hi, Holly. Thanks very much for finding some time uh, early in the morning to, to come and have a chat. Um, I just wanted to, to ask you a couple of brief questions. Um, I mean, the first one really is just to say a bit about how the COVID-19 pandemic's affecting Venturesome so far around the organisations that you're working with. Yeah, sure. So, well, thanks for having me on. Um, so I think as well, as you, Roger, I know you know uh, CAF Venturesome is a, a social investment fund. So we make uh, loans and other forms of investment to charities and social enterprises. Um, we make lots of loans every year. And currently we've got just over 130 current social investments. There's 130 organisations that we are currently lending money to, as well as a, a huge number more that we're, we're currently talking to. And when the kind of coronavirus um, kind of, you know, when the effects really started to become apparent, I've oh got only a week ago, <laughs> it feels, feels like a very long time ago, but just over a week ago, um, we've spoken to or, you know, contacted 
all of our organisations um, during that time. And it's become really clear quite how significant this impact is. And it's not it's not on every organisation, it's worth saying. So there are some organisations we support, for example, um, community-led housing groups, which are primarily volunteer-run, uh, primarily don't have a huge amount of ongoing costs that um, aren't related to a particular building project, which is often not started yet, they're not hugely impacted um, kind of by the coronavirus crisis. Um, but contrast that with another organ other organisations which are really on the front line, say, working with kind of elderly people running day centres, for example, they're hugely and dramatically impacted, not just from a revenue point of view, um, so most organisations um, that have kind of got back to us and had, we've had meaningful con conversations with are really worried about their, their revenues going forward. But for some organisations, they're also in choosing to increase their operational costs at the moment because the work they do is so valuable for those beneficiaries. So, for example, there's a, a social care organisations we support, a social care organisation we support in Essex, um, and they you know, support a lot of elderly people primarily through day centres, and they've pivoted their services back to supporting them primarily in the home because so many of these older people are self-isolating with very little support networks around them. And that's absolutely the right thing to do. It's, it's wonderful that this charity is doing that, but obviously that puts a really severe um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really severe impact on their own operations, their own staff and their own cash flow. So that's kind of, yeah, so contrast there. Yeah, I mean, that certainly chimes with a lot of what I've been hearing for from other people. Um, I mean, what from across the organisations you work with, as you say, some of them are obviously more impacted than others. I mean, what do you see as the the biggest challenges over the coming few months for them? And then do you also see kind of other challenges that, that we can already kind of see emerging over the medium or longer term? Yes. So in terms of the biggest challenges, um, it's I mean, it's very similar to how every other organisation in the country, I think, is, is facing as well. So mass uncertainty, um, particularly um, if you've had to kind of you know, uh, reconfigure your services, if your staff either have never worked from home or that's just not possible, uh, which for a lot of organisations it's not. And so uncertainty about operations, uncertainty about income, um, uncertainty about whether all of the government support packages are applicable to the social sector so a lot of the you know the government support has been announced is is huge <laughs> it's game-changing um and things like you know the wage support will absolutely my understanding is it will absolutely be applicable to you know most of the social sector some of the other schemes are less directly applicable but i know there's a lot of work going on um to see whether more support can be provided but as well as that uncertainty there's just a kind of a cash flow issue as well so from the organizations we support we know that at least a third will have severe short-term cash flow um, needs some of that we as kind of cash venturesome will be able to support them with some of that we won't um, just because it'll be um, bigger than we're able to provide there's a, a lot of organizations there that need support but I think the one other thing I'd say is that it's very clear that grants are really really important so for a lot of the social organizations we work really closely with they get a lot of income from trading but also a lot of income from grants, be it from foundations or regular givers or even local authorities. And that grant support is absolutely crucial in a time of uncertainty like this, where actually taking on a load of debt 
might not be the most appropriate thing to do because whilst it might potentially help you out for the next couple of months it might not stand you in very good stead over the coming year and I think uh, well certainly I and everyone I've spoken to expects that kind of you know after you know these you know, few months of kind of real lockdown the next year will still be incredibly challenging. Yeah absolutely and and I was going to ask you kind of what you thought the most important actions um, you know, the government, funders and charities themselves could be taking. And I think I'm hearing pretty clearly that grant funding is a massive piece of that. I mean, do you think there are other elements that can help? I mean, you mentioned there about uh, taking on debt finance or loans and possibly having some kind of guarantee for those. Do you think that that is something that could help as part of a package? Definitely. I think particularly for um, organisations which have um, ex- and expect to have going forwards um, a large portion of their income from trading. Um, that's, you know, that's that those kinds of organisations debt is is often a useful tool. And I say this as someone who provides debt and investment. So that's definitely kind of you know, the perspective I'm coming from. But uh, so I think if you're an organisation who's got primarily trading income um, and also assets as well, some of the schemes that will come out over the next few weeks should enable you to hopefully access more debt perhaps a bit more easily, um, which I think is a really good thing. But for other organisations, um, grants will be crucial. Um, and I know that, you know, so CAF is working on some um, kind of schemes. There are other government schemes, other schemes out there. I know there's a, a lot of work going on behind the scenes, um, both kind of, you know, a large scale, also a community scale as well. But those grants are really, really um, important to keep, ensure that these organisations doing a really valuable work can kind of be there in four months time when they're still needed. I think the other thing I'd say is that for some organisations are kind of, still trying very hard to deliver their activities at the moment and some of them like the social care organization i mentioned you know they've thought of a way to do that and it's quite high you know it puts their staff at a bit of risk but it's providing crucial support to their kind of elderly people that they care for for other organizations we've got a lot of organizations we work with that um support vulnerable children and young people um, and at the moment, you know, there's no school. Everyone's um, being told to kind of stay in their homes. And I think particularly for, you know, the most vulnerable children, that that's a real challenge. Um, and there's, you know, that that's uh, something that the charities we're working with are thinking really hard about how they can support children and their families at this really challenging times. And I think there's there's not a there's not a good answer out there yet. Sorry, Roger, I went off. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, an, a, a question, an issue that many of us who are kind of struggling to adapt to, to the reality of having to parent and work from home at the same time are kind of aware that even though that's difficult, there are many, many people who are in a much more difficult situation and, and a lot of organisations kind of working on that who are struggling to help them. So I think no, I think that's a really good point. Um, I guess just just finally to hopefully, you know, leave on a slightly more upbeat note, because we've talked a lot about the challenges. I mean, what have you seen so far from the organisations that you work with or across the sector that's kind of given you hope about the sector's ability to to kind of rise to the challenges of the next few months? Yeah, I mean, it is. it does feel occasionally a bit difficult to find some kind of uh, bright spots, but there definitely are some. So the fact that so many of the charities are working with their first thoughts are for their beneficiaries and how they can support them. And those are the conversations we're having with them. It starts, it always starts with that, far more than it starts with, you know, 
their staff or which you know obviously really important as well or you know whether their organization will be here in a year it starts with their beneficiaries um and i think to be honest that's really heartening uh we're seeing some organizations make some um really difficult but necessary decisions to ensure that they can um carry on kind of serving their communities in three months and three years time um and that's you know that's a really it's really challenging decisions i think particularly for actually particularly for trustees um you know most charities have volunteer trustee boards and you know those trustees are always crucial um but never more so now actually to provide that kind of um that that guidance and that oversight. Um, I've spoken to lots of trustees in recent days who are who are working really hard to try and steer their organisations through and support those kind of you know, those leadership teams, those management teams as best they can, whilst doing as alongside for for most people is probably um, quite a busy day job and kind of family lives and all the other challenges we're all facing at the moment. So I guess one of my one of my bright spots actually is just all of the volunteers at, at all levels and particularly trustees who sometimes get a bit underrated. Um, it's really really heartening. Yeah, no, absolutely, I'd echo that. Um, and yeah, just to say thanks very much for finding the time uh, <laughs> at a time when it's very difficult to to find time to to come on. Um, it's great to have a chance to to chat and you know hopefully. Um, we can kind of catch up and, and see how you've got on and uh, you know in a, in a few months time yeah I hope so thanks Audrey great thanks Ollie and last but not least is Rich Collins from Sortified which is a social investment and a consultancy that helps other organizations engage with things like community commissioning and accessing social finance so here's Rich yeah, I mean, I guess the best place to start is just to, if you could say a bit about, you know, how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting your organisation so far or kind of any other organisations that you're working with. Well, for for us, I guess it's it's been the day to day working. Um, all of a sudden, everything stopped. So where we had work lined up uh, and what we're doing at the minute. So what, what we, we tend, can, tend to work with lots of other organisations, community sector organisations supporting them. And obviously the last thing most people want at the minute is help write a strategy or a business case. Um, so all of our kind of work on the horizons kind of stopped. We also run some frontline services and uh, we've had to obviously close down all, all, uh, all kind of front facing meetings. So we've gone online for everything in terms of how we work with people and how we're linking to folk. So um, the, everything's changed. Absolutely everything has changed. Um, and that has put a lot of problems on how we operate, how we work, how, the, how we link to staff um, and just making sure everyone's got the right IT equipment and, and access to the internet. It's been very tricky. And have, have you found people are kind of able to, to adapt to that relatively quickly or have you sort of encountered you know, a fair number of challenges? For, for us as an organisation, we've always been a flexible working anyway. So we, we let all of our staff work from home from whenever they want to. We have an office space, but not everyone has to come to it. Most of the time people choose to, but not always. So we're always set up to work flexibly. So that's not been too much of a problem. One of our guys doesn't have the internet, uh, which has been problematic. So we've had to um, kind of sort out uh, a short term fix in terms of tethering to a mobile phone. But it seems to be working all right so far. Luckily, they only need to do a couple of days a week for us. So that's not too bad. Um, working with we, we run uh, an employment service for carers, trying to get support carers back into employment. Um, and a lot of the guys we work with there haven't got access to 
technology they haven't got access to the internet they can't afford it um and, and where they do have it often access is fairly limited just getting onto it so um that's been a challenge with some people and, and obviously most of that work is face to face and and all of a sudden we've had to say sorry guys um we're closing all of that down we we're only going to talk to you from from a distance um but most people the vast majority have been very good and are working with us on it it's been it's been it's been good to see how people do react and 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 adapt yeah absolutely and and then sort of apart from the, those those challenges of everybody having to kind of pivot very very hard sort of sharp left to to working online um you know, hearing quite a lot about um, sort of funding challenges as well, organisations either having, you know, kind of fundraising events or short term, you know, income streams uh, around kind of shops or cafes or, you know, trading, uh, obviously just stopping dead. Have you guys found any challenges with that or kind of organisations that you're working with? Yeah, uh, both. Um, I mean, I, personally, as an organisation, our cash flow has been an absolute nightmare over the last uh, couple of weeks. If, if no one's paying. For those where we have got outstanding, well, some are. That's not fair to say. Some have been really, really good and actually have helped us out and saved us. Um, but um, uh, in, in generally, we're only a little organisation. Our cash flow is fairly minimal. Uh, we don't have huge reserves, as you'd expect. Um, and as a result, we, we we are day to day looking at our finances to make sure that we can keep going for as long as possible. Uh, and looking at that dreaded furlough word uh, as to when that's going to kick in, and we have to start taking. It will be the directors because the rest of the staff are all covered by by grant money so they're going to be all right because that looks like it's going to be carrying coming through but it's how we we shut myself and the and, the, and my other director off uh, at what point and then how we move we've had advice to say we can move across so that uh, our non-execs can support staff indirectly um and when we go to that kind of model because that's going to be fairly soon that will kick in unless there's any any major income streams coming from from either government or anywhere else to 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 support us and keep us going um most of what we do isn't frontline so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things if we do have to shut up and luckily the government has, has reacted and given us this opportunity through furloughing and we've all had to learn all about that very quickly um but i think uh longer term um, that's where it's got, it's got it's going to be problematic. I mean, today we we contacted HMRC and said, sorry guys, we can't pay our HMRC bills um, for for the foreseeable, and they've been absolutely brilliant and said that's fine. Um, uh, and and you know, I urge anyone who's out there who's, who's thinking about it, just ring them up and talk to them. They've been brilliant. Um, and that's I guess one of the super positives that's come out of this is how well government and the government agencies are reacting and supporting everybody through this. That's really encouraging to to hear because I know that there have been kind of uh, quite a few measures uh, so far introduced uh, that have either kind of you know applied to charities, social enterprises, or it's kind of been clarified or they've been added. Um, are there any sort of things that that you think you know government or or funders or others who are in a position to to help with some of these short term challenges for organisations that are finding income streams drying up all of a sudden is, is there more that they could be doing to help um i think absolutely uh there's there's the first thing that came out was loans we can't we're not going to look at loans we can't even consider looking at loans uh in in the short in in the short to long term at the moment because we don't know what the future is going to be so i'm not going to sit here and take a loan out to try and keep our little organization afloat because we, we we don't know in six months time whether or not the funding is going to be coming back through to keep us going and the work's going to be there. So that's the main one that's straight off the table. There's there's great stuff around um, business rate support and support for SMEs uh, through the local authorities, through, through business uh, 
uh, rates rebates but we don't think that's going to cover us because we're in um, serviced accommodation so we don't pay rates so that looks like I, I've, I've been up and down with that one I don't know if it's going to work we're going to get 10 grand or not um, so as it stands at the minute I'm not counting it in as we're going to get it so that's been a, a real big issue uh, and the big gap has been that no one is looking at the community sector and the support to it apart from you know the, the excellent work that's going on through things like the National Emergencies Trust which is going to be paying out some big money to organisations soon but it's all donations we need the government to step in here and, and help out and keep charities functioning and going that frontline services as well as some of us who support those organizations and deliver some of those services ourselves who are really in dire straits at the minute and will not exist in the future definitely will not we are going to lose a hell of a lot of uh, of charities and social enterprises in the in the uh, in the coming weeks and months i'm already starting to see ones flagging and and those who who are are just stopping at the minute which is worrying in its own right to say well actually are they really needed? Where's the people gone? Or are those people just out there not getting any services at the minute, which is even worse? So lots and lots of issues around around that. I think we've, um, we're, you know, we're, we're having some discussions with our local community foundation and with national community foundations and some of the social investors about some more radical ways of trying to free up social investment. A lot of what work we do is around supporting social investment and blended finance. Um, so we're kind of having some discussions at the minute about whether any of that funding could be freed up because people are holding this money back for rainy days it's kind of pouring down at the minute isn't it so if there's a time to act and use some of this money let's get it out there and, and, and i'm afraid um we can't really be just kicking the ball around at the minute we need to act because there's people who aren't getting any services and people who really really need things right now yeah and and i have to say that absolutely echoes things i've been hearing from you know other funders and investors is sort of saying actually as, you, as exactly as you say and now is that rainy day and it's all very well kind of wanting to to keep one eye on the future but actually if you don't take action in the short term now it's not really clear for a lot of organizations whether they'll have a future so um you know it really is very pressing need um i mean i guess you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit there but one one other thing i mean there's an enormous number of challenges for a lot of organizations at the moment and a lot of uncertainty um but you know, what have you seen so far that gives you you know, some some cause for hope or optimism that the civil society and the charity sector can weather this storm and kind of potentially, hopefully, come out stronger on the other side. Uh, one, I think we've always weathered storms and we're always weathering storms. So uh, funding challenges are kind of part and parcel. Um, and I don't think uh, any organisation in this sector has had uh, a month or a year go by where they're not worried about funding and where they're going to get their income from to keep going. So um, from, from that perspective, we're, we're well used to it. Um, what, what is great to see is how society as a whole is, well, most of society as a whole is reacting to this crisis. Uh, and being supportive. It's it's great to see people coming out of the woodwork to support people where they can, whether that's picking up food and delivering it to people's doorsteps or just giving people a phone call when they need it. Um, that's really great. You know, 170,000 people, I think, volunteered overnight for this NHS volunteers thing, which is amazing. So society is reacting and supporting, which is brilliant. Government you know, we've all been critical, I think, of various governments over the years. But, you know, bar the fact that there's there's big gaps around supporting the community sector, big gaps around uh, self-employed people. Who would have thought that we would, have, we would have seen a government take their finger out like this and just go, hang on, let's throw some money at it? 
because we've had austerity for so, so long. I used to be a commissioner. I was one of the people who, you know, who uh, who was removing services for, uh, until I had enough of that and left. Um, in order to in, in order to save money and all of a sudden we've got lots of money that's coming into the system and that's really good it's keeping people afloat businesses across all sectors is keeping people afloat at the minute we will need to do more but at least something's happening we're not sticking our head in the sand like other countries so that in terms of positives i think it's it's, it's great to see people reacting and reacting well to it yeah, absolutely. And it'll be very interesting with some of these things to see kind of how much that momentum carries on and also, you know, how some of the, the sort of positive reaction and, and changes that have happened in the, the short term through necessity end up becoming sort of much longer term changes that reshape the way, you know, the, the sector works. So I think it's I mean, it's a difficult but an absolutely kind of fascinating time if you can manage to keep track of, of what's happening day to day. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks ever so much for for finding the time to come on on the podcast, Rich. Um, I know it's a busy time for for everyone. Um, I certainly yeah, wish you the the best in in everything you're doing, um, and certainly hope you get sort of you know some some clarity and some of the things that you're trying to pull together and and work on to to kind of ensure that sort short term short term sustainability uh, pay off for you. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Great. Okay, great. Well, my thanks again to all of my guests for finding some time to come on the podcast. You know, apologies for any variability in sound quality. Uh, I have been working through these, but I've been doing a lot of the audio editing at night, which doesn't help because uh, it turns out I'm quite tired. Um, but I've done my best to kind of keep them as consistent as possible. Um, I, if you want any uh, further information, I'll try and add in links to the show notes when I get a moment to kind of direct to various sources of information and where you can get more on sources of funding and, and information and advice during the coronavirus crisis. Um, if you're interested more broadly in issues around civil society and philanthropy, check out the CAF uh, Giving Thought pages at the CAF website. Follow me on Twitter at Rodri underscore H underscore Davis uh, or at for literacy if you want stuff that's more about uh, kind of academic literature and history on philanthropy. Uh, if you've got ideas for things we could talk about or people I could have conversations with now or in the future, drop us a line at givingthought at cafonline.org. Other than that, like, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, and I'll see you next time. Bye.